0: continue with John's first letter, turning to chapter 4 today, beginning with the first verse, hear these words that are written, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved. Since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him as he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we've seen and do testify that the, the Father has sent his Son as Savior of the world, Savior, as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Dearest Lord, we are here, we have gathered here in this place because at some point in our lives, whether we realize it or not, we have been caught, captured by your love. Ever since that moment, no matter what age, even before we were able to be conscious of it, of of ourselves. Ever since then, we have been learning and growing in this love that you've given us. Our prayer today is keep us on that road. Keep teaching us that we might go out into this world and live lives more fully in your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the past couple of weeks, few weeks, we've been reading John's first letter. And in that time, we've been learning just how much John is convinced that in Jesus Christ, we have been given a new reality and In this new reality, John believes that we have a number of assurances. He's been giving us all these assurances. And he so far has told us that we are assured of light and knowledge and belonging. In other words, John believes that because of Christ... We have the ability to walk in the light of God. Because of Christ, we can know God. Because of Christ, we fully belong to God and to one another. John's completely convinced of this stuff. And today, he keeps right on going. He keeps adding more assurances. He starts off... What we just read a moment ago with just one word, a word that he's already used before, he uses it twice in our reading today. Beloved, he says. That's what he starts off with. Beloved. Now he doesn't mean it as a salutation or a, he doesn't mean it as a, a term of endearment. You know, he's not trying to sweet talk us. He's not sitting there saying, Oh, beloved, you know, like, oh, honey, aren't you cute? That's not what he's doing. He's also not using it as a salutation that you just are supposed to put at the beginning of something. You know, when a pastor stands up or something at the beginning of a wedding and says, dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the flam and in the flim flam and this and that. That's not, that's, not, that's not what John's doing. No, he's using that word as a reminder. He wants to, rem- he does not want us to ever forget that we loved, Beloved, you who are loved. That one single word captures all of that. You who are loved. And not just loved in such a way that comes at random from somewhere out of nowhere, but specifically loved by God. You who are loved by God. What John is doing, of course, just with the simple use of this first word alone, is adding one more assurance to our list. Assurance number four, we are assured of love. Now, the the topic of love is one that John loves. He, he just... He relishes this word. I think it's his absolute favorite word of all time. I really... I think it's his favorite word... In just our reading alone, it appears 16 times. Just in those few verses that we just read. 16 times. That's using it a lot. And then that's not even including the rest of the letter, where he's using it all over the place. You add to that readings like out of John's Gospel, which many think is the same author. At least it's written in the same tradition of the same Words used all over the place. He He just goes after this word. New Testament scholars, when they talk about 1 John, they talk about it as, they call it, the most profound analysis of love that you will find in all of the New Testament, surpassing even the more famous lines from 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, love is patient, love is kind, it is not envious or arrogant or boastful or rude, you know, that one we read all the time. Even more so than that, this is the most profound analysis of love in the New Testament. John just goes to town.
1: Everyone
0: who loves he says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. John even goes so far as to say that God is love. God is love. What a powerful statement. God is love. So powerful, in fact, that we need to be careful when we hear it and careful when we use it. So we need to keep a couple of things in mind when we use and think of phrases like God is love and even the wider section of this whole letter and these verses on love. A couple of things to keep in mind. First thing to keep in mind is that John is not giving us a definition of God. In other words, God does not equal love. Love is not, does not define God for John. In fact, if John were to say it, he'd say, if anything, it's the absolute opposite of that. Love does not define God. God defines Love. In fact, I'm sure he would say that we would not know love in the first place if it weren't for God. So, love does not define God. God defines love. As one commentary puts it, when you when you say God is love, to say that God is love is not an exhaustive statement of God, but is instead a statement about how God manifests himself to us. In other words... Love is the manner in which God is made clear to us. Love is the manner in which God is made clear to us. So it's, God does not equal love. Love instead is the way in which God is revealed. That's the first thing. Second thing we need to remember think of that phrase in these verses is that John is not talking about some kind of, of euphoric state of being, some kind of fleeting thing. This, this is not a fleeting thing. It's not fleeting. It's not momentary. It's This is not some kind of kumbaya session that John's shooting for where we dress up in, you know, psychedelic clothing and and sit down around the campfire and light candles and play some funky weirdo music while we pass the peace pipe around that's filled with God knows what and enter some state of bliss that we call love. That's not, so cross that one off your list. That's not what John's talking about here. What John is talking about is the sacrificial kind of love. The kind of love where you willingly give up something of yourself for the sake of someone else. He himself goes on to clarify it by saying, God's love is revealed among us in this way. God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, John says. Not that we love God, but that God loves us. Down the road, later in the letter, he, furthers, he goes further with that one and says that famous line, we love because God first loved us. We learn as kids. We love because... comes from John. So, he's talking, of course, the kind of love he's talking about, of course, is the kind of love we see in Jesus Christ. In fact, for John, there is no clearer expression of God's love than in the life-death-death resurrection of Christ our Lord. As one pastor puts it, in Christ God sent divine love to be part of our human experience, to be part of our common human experience. God sent divine love. Not Not to trick us or to make sport of us, not even to judge us or condemn us, But to join us. To join us. To be born, to live, to suffer, to die. All out of love. That's why we don't talk about Jesus as some partial expression of God. Jesus isn't half God or some smidgen of God. Jesus is God. Fully and completely the simple truth is because of that because we believe that no one can ever love this world more fully and completely than Christ himself. It's the fullest, most clear expression of the love of God that you will ever find. Came to be with us, to get to know us. Why? Because God loves us. A couple weeks ago I was at lunch with a friend of mine and we got to talking about family and in that conversation they they said something really great they said i one time they said my brother told me something i'll never forget i'll never forget it we were arguing about something she said and you know, we used to argue a lot, and we were arguing about something. And he stopped short and looked me right in the eye and said to me, he said, I've known you for as long as you've been born. I know you more fully and completely than anyone else. And I love you anyway. <laughs> Isn't that that great? Now, that's for real. That's that's the real thing. That is not even close to the same thing as saying, "I, I like a lot of things about you, therefore I love you. That's not even close. That's saying, I know you more than anybody else. I know your warts, your scars, your defects of character love you anyway that's what John is trying to get at in this section of his letter he's trying to convince us of that very thing when it comes to the love of God in Jesus Christ he's saying God came to know us more than anybody will ever know us guess what Loves us anyway. Loves us anyway. You know what John's trying to do? I know what he's trying to do. And it just, it's just, I wish he didn't do this. But he is. Doggone him. He's trying, he's trying to get us to love like that. That's what he's trying to do. I wish he'd stop, but he won't. He just keeps right on going. He's trying to get us to love this world in the same way. That Jesus does. That's it. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get us to love this world in such a way that when someone else sees it, they might just think we're doing it because our soul is at stake if we don't. To love this world as if your very soul is at stake It's what John is trying to do. To go out into our messy lives into our messy world and try to get to know it as well as anybody can get to know it. Love it anyway. To not just spend time with the people we like. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer I've been reading his book again, Life Together. It's a good book. It's not very long. If you want to pick it up, but be ready to be challenged by it. He says in it, at one point, he says, a Christian is not supposed to live in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but is instead supposed to live among foes. And then he goes on and I just don't like him for going on. He goes on and he says, some of us not me, some of us only want to spend time with friends. Some of us only want to spend time with friends. To sit among the roses and the lilies as he puts it. (laughs) Spend time among Not with the, you know, bad people, but with the good people, the devout people, like me, you know. And then he says something that really stings. He says, if Christ had only done that, who would ever have been spared? Who would ever have been spared. What Bonhoeffer is doing, he's grabbing the, capturing the essence of this section of 1 John. He's challenging us to go out into mess, that mess of a world, to get out in the mess, and to learn to love it, to look at, at other people as. Made of the same stuff as we are a mix of good and bad and hope and despair and love and hate and confidence and fear and well intentioned things followed by horrible outcomes to see other people that way as if you're looking into a mirror love them anyway John says Love them anyway. Can you do it? Do you think you can love the world like that? That's what John wants to know. And he ain't kidding. He's dead serious. For those who abide in love, assured of that, count on it. Go live like it. You get out into that world and love it as if your very soul is at stake.